Good morning. I'm Kirk Chrisman, in case you don't know. I'm on the preaching team. In case you don't know, we've got a team of people that take turns each week. And so if you don't like what I have to say this week, come back next week. There'll be somebody different. But uh, I have a really simple message today that God put on my heart. And it kind of ties in with today's date. Today is April 16th, and it's the 17th anniversary of the one time that I heard God speak to me in such a clear way, and I could take you to the place and the time that God spoke to me. And so it just felt non-coincidental when I got asked to speak today because it was a pretty big moment in our family's life. And I've got two scriptures that are going to be the, the basis of, of my message today, the Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, and then Romans 12, 2, and maybe verse 3. But before I get to what happened on April 16, 2006, 17 years ago, I want to call our attention to a problem that we all have, a limitation that we all have, a need that we all have. Every single one of us is limited. We've got a limited time to be together today. We've got a limited time on this earth We've got a limited time before things culminate on the world scene and what's going on. We are limited in our ability to comprehend, to see, to hear. No matter how much ability we have, there's a limit to our ability. Right now in this room, there's sound waves and there's radio waves and there's all kinds of information that's passing overhead and through the atmosphere that we are totally unaware of because we are not able to pick it up. There's germs, there's microscopic organisms all around us, on our bodies that we can't see. There are stars out in the galaxies that we cannot see. Just because we don't see something does not limit its existence or negate its effect on our lives or its potential value. I was reading an article this week, and they've discovered that plants actually make sounds. And they've developed technology now that they can capture and analyze and enter this data into uh, artificial intelligence machines. And basically, they can do blind testing so that there's no human interference. And the machines can tell you what kind of crop is saying what. And the three things that they tested for were uh, damage, like they would, they would injure the plants. They would cut them, and the, and the plants would make a different sound. They can tell when the plants are dehydrated. They make a different sound. They can tell when they're healthy, they make a different sound. And so they did these double-blind tests where they tested different crops against these three different criteria, and each time, based on the stimulus, the plants made a different sound, and the sound was different based on the crop as well. God's creation is amazing. But we would have never guessed until the 21st century that plants were actually speaking and making sounds. But the Lord hears and sees everything. He knows exactly what's going on. Another article I read was about bumblebees. They've discovered that bumblebees train junior bumblebees in a specific dance that communicates where food is, how far away it is, how good it is, and what kind of food it is. And when they take the bees and they separate them from this training, they still understand the dance, is what they call it, to a certain extent, but it's not accurate. And the bees, the bumblebees that have been discipled by the older bees are very precise 
and communicating to the hive where the food is and all those different things. So it's, these are things that we could have never discovered until we had high-tech technology to be able to observe in slow motion and to quantify what's going on. My point is, there's a lot going on that we are often unaware of. Even right now, if I take my glasses off, you guys all get blurry. And one day I'm not going to have to wear these, but when I look through my glasses, things become clear. And so no matter how good your vision is, you may not need glasses, you may be whatever the perfect definition of vision is, but you still can't see as far as a telescope can see at night. You still can't see what an x-ray or an MRI can see. None of us can see everything or perceive everything. The good news is our Heavenly Father is limitless. And so we are in a, a blessed position because like Kimmy said earlier, one of my favorite expressions is not about us, but it's not without us. And so no matter how good your understanding is, it is limited. And I want to speak about Romans 12 too. When I heard this verse as a youth, I got real excited about it. And most people can quote most of it, but there's the last part that often gets left off. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, if you could tell me the last part of Romans 12, 2, confidently without looking at it, you don't have to say it, but could you raise your hand and say, I know what the last sentence that you're referring to is, Kirk. We got one, we got two. So I love the verse because the verse says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Well, I was a nonconformist as a youth. I still cherish or, you know, esteem myself as being a nonconformist. And I love ooh, a verse about not conforming. Yeah, I wanted, and it was very much about go do, you know, do and don't and be this and don't be that. And the last part of that verse says that you may prove what is his good and perfect and acceptable will. And it's interesting when you don't contemplate that part of the verse, you can get into a place where things happen and you just assume that because something happened, it was God's will. But what that verse is saying is, is God's will, the manifestation of it, is actually affected by whether or not, to the degree, to an extent, how our minds are renewed. Now, don't get me wrong. God is sovereign. There's a clock that's going on right now. Things are going to happen, and, and Jesus is coming back, and there are things that man has no interference with. But as far as the manifestation of God's will in our lives... Not everything that happens is God's sovereign will. And to not understand that opens a door for the enemy to come in and play havoc and to create all kinds of false doctrines that somehow every bad thing is going on in your life was orchestrated by God. So Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path or make your path straight. The first part of that verse, trust in the Lord with all your heart, always stood out. And the last part always stood out. But the two verses in between always kind of got smushed together. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will, I mean, trust in the Lord with the heart. Lean not on your understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him. And he will make your path straight. It's really easy to talk about trusting the Lord with all our heart. I trust God. He's going to make my path straight. Well, that's not the totality of the promise. There's two other pieces. We've got to learn how to not lean on our own understanding and to acknowledge him in all of our ways. Now, growing up, this was one of my favorite verses, too. When I was in high school and I got on fire for Jesus, I thought acknowledging him meant 
just giving him props wherever I went, you know, like pray before I, I eat, wear Christian t-shirts, you know, say, God bless you. You know, God did this. I'm so blessed. You know, just trying to always drop little acknowledging the Lord. You know, it's like, like I just want a Grammy. I just want to thank the Lord for helping me make this X-rated film. You know, it's like, no, that's not acknowledging. To acknowledge means to give him a place to speak. So if we're having a town meeting and I say, you know, to the gentleman in the back row, could you please tell us what your thoughts are on this? I'm acknowledging him. I'm letting him speak. That's how he makes our path straight is when we ask him to speak and to have the floor. And then we make a choice to listen to what he's saying instead of leaning on our own understanding. So the Lord spoke to me on April 16th, 2006. And he kind of mashed up those two verses together. And we were living just a couple of blocks away from here. We didn't know it, but we were in the middle of a major battle. Our oldest daughter, who's hanging out with Jesus right now, by the way, she's in heaven, was six months, six, nine months into a brain tumor battle. And the doctors for six months couldn't figure out what was going on. They had no idea. We went, we had all these multiple tests and specialists. And April 15th, most people think of as tax day. Well, that was the day that God showed my wife what was going on. And she, she diagnosed it on the internet. She found the research and she figured out what was going on. And so we go to bed Saturday night with this incredible revelation that is painful and scary and very discouraging and wake up Easter morning, April 16, 2006 was Easter and we are devastated. We've got family coming over. We now know what's going on with our daughter. She's skin and bones. She looks like an alien. Uh, her skin is hanging off her body. So we skip church and we're just going to be like the British, you know, just uh, keep, I forget the expression, but just, Stiff upper lip, you know, and just we just put on a good face and keep calm and move on. And until we had something documenting it from the doctors, but we knew what was going on. So we're at home. I'm looking out the window. There's an intersection right in front of our house. And the Lord speaks to me. He says, just like traffic moves in patterns and systems, the world operates on patterns and systems that it understands. But I do not. Do not put your confidence in anything other than me. That was those two verses mashed up together in, in my own, uh, in, in his own way, speaking to me. And that, that statement, that word of encouragement and instruction became the basis for our faith and how we moved forward through the next three years. And I was really looking forward to having multiple sermons to share about how it didn't end up the way that it did. And I don't believe that it had to end up the way that it did. And I don't believe that it was God that ordained it. But I do believe God eventually said, enough is enough, Dylan why don't you come sit with me for a while? Because she went through hell for three years. But what I want to share today is about heartfelt prayers and answers that we've seen God give in response to those heartfelt prayers. And I want to encourage and hopefully give you a glimpse into how good our God is and some things that you can take away that can help you in your walk. The January before that April, I started praying a very simple prayer. God, I want what you want. I want to want what you want. And if there's any part of me that doesn't want what you want, I want you to work in me to want what you want. And it was just a simple declaration of faith. We were 
Uh, we, were, we were keeping a stiff upper lip during that time. We had faith. We believed it was not God's will. We knew this was from the enemy. We were standing. We were fighting. But still, it was getting really, really, really hard. I started praying that prayer. April 16th comes and goes. We go to the hospital that next week. They diagnose it. There's so many awesome things that happened in the meantime. I can't tell you about all those right now. But a couple of weeks later, we're in the hospital, and I come home to get a fresh change of clothes, and there's this book in my front door. And Easy had dropped it off. It's called When Heaven Invades Earth by Bill Johnson. And as I started reading this book, God answered me one day, and he said, this is what I want. I want heaven on earth. There's no death or disease or destruction or all these evil things in heaven and the Lord's Prayer on earth as it is in heaven. That's what I want. I was so blown away. I was like, oh my gosh. Like I had prayed that simple, heartfelt prayer. God, I want to want what you want. And then he spoke to me. He said, this is what I want. And so that began, for those of you that know me and know my passion for talking about the kingdom, that's really how it got inaugurated was through that experience and that day and through that book. And so we, we started uh, reading Diving into this book, about a week or two after you dropped it off easy, Bill Johnson ended up speaking at a church over in Stafford. And we ended up going, and that entire week was like supernatural orientation week into the kingdom of God. We were seeing things happen on a daily basis. And again, I don't have time to tell you all the things, but I'm going to tell you one cool story that happened during that time. Um, but bef before that... I want to share a couple of other simple, less dramatic, heartfelt prayers that God has answered recently. Yesterday, my daughters went to work at a, at a, a craft show, and Angie was praying over them before they left, and she said, Lord, I just asked for an unexpected blessing today. And about an hour, because there was a little bit of hesitation about maybe not wanting to go, and a little, an hour later, we get a text like, Mom, you're not going to believe we get to ride electric scooters around the parking lot. And they were helping out at this Apparently, electric scooters are the new things that they use to move around instead of golf carts. But it was a simple, heartfelt prayer. There was not a lot of fanfare. There was not a big, God, you know. It was just, Lord, put your stamp on this day. Let there be something unexpected. And let it stand out. And it was meaningful to my daughter. Well, a week ago, we were on a trip to Ohio. And we were leaving the hotel and we always try to pray and ask God to bless the day and protection and all that kind of stuff. But every once in a while, something just wells up in my spirit. And, and we believe that God's taught us to expect that when we're on trips, that they get to travel with me for my work, that God has a purpose and something that he wants to accomplish when we're on those trips. And so we started expecting and looking for that and asking for that. And so we're leaving, the, we're, we're in the uh, parking lot, we're getting ready to pull off, and I pray. I wish I would have recorded it. Because God answered it in a really cool way just 20 minutes later. But the gist of it was along the same effects. God, this is your day. We want to hear what you have to say. Direct our steps. Lead us to where you want us to be. Help us to find the treasure that you have for us. So a few minutes later, I'm at the gas station. Gas. Diesel, to be exact. My wife is in the car researching about coffee beans and how to roast them and and we've got an entrepreneurial class that we're teaching our homeschool kids and, and working on. And so we're always looking at different ways to teach them about how to create wealth and to be entrepreneurially minded. And coffee's always been on her heart. We get in the car and we go, let's go find a coffee shop on our way. We're, we're driving from 
all the way to Ohio. It's a 20, 20 hour one way trip, and we broke it up into three days. All of a sudden, she sees this coffee place, and as we're pulling into the parking lot, this man is pulling in at the same time. Turns out he's the owner of the company. Now, as I was looking back on all these details, if my trip had not started off the way that it did with a little bit of car trouble, we would have been several hours ahead of schedule. We would have never been in this city at this time. If we had not left, when everything worked out exactly for us to be pulling in. And the guy said, if, y'all had not, if we had not pulled in at the same time, I wouldn't have got to meet you because normally I come in and I go to my office and I'm so busy. This guy is from South Africa. He was a political rival to Nelson Mandela at one point. He was a sniper in the South African Special Forces. He runs a tourism company doing safaris to Africa, and he started this coffee company to support people in Africa. Specifically, he buys, he doesn't do fair trade. He said the problem with fair trade is there's usually a middleman who takes a big cut and not all the wealth goes to the people that you're dealing with. So he does direct trade. He deals directly with women, specifically widows, whose husbands have been lost to AIDS and war. And he buys from them so that they can receive as much profit as possible. And every bag of beans is supporting a family in Africa and helping children go to school. And He's got this incredible roasting operation there in his building. And so 20 minutes before, we're praying, God, lead us, direct us. We've got our kids with us. We're always looking for this kind of stuff. She's researching roasting. And now we're talking to a man from all the way around the world in the middle of Kentucky, a guy from South Africa in Kentucky, who's an expert roaster and has this incredible business. And make a long story short, God gave us a divine connection that we've got and he loves the Lord. And it was like, oh my gosh, what are we missing out on by not just expecting and asking more and more? You know, so God's been encouraging us with that. Just expect, be asking, be looking, be listening. One time we were on a trip and one daughter was praying, God, I want to see something miraculous happen today. And another, we, we got in the car and I had a thought to pray for a man, somebody with something on the right side of their head. And my other daughter, as I got done praying, she goes, yeah, and and let us see something like an elephant juggling balls on the side of the road. She wasn't being flippant. She was just being creative and just asking God for big steps. We're practicing just asking God. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, and out of the mouth of babes. You're not going to believe this. We're driving home from Kansas City. We're actually driving to Louisiana. And our car, which had never had any car trouble, breaks down. And we're on the side of the highway in the southernmost city in Oklahoma. And a man stops to help us who had been injured and was out of work because of something on the right side of his head. So I got to pray for him. And then to say thank you, he goes, man, he goes, if this was any other day than Sunday, I would take you to see the elephants. (laughs) What? In Oklahoma? Yeah, he said, yeah, there's actually four circuses headquartered here in this town. And this is the only day that I can't take you to see the elephants, but I would love you. He said, you would just love it. I mean, God got as close to an elephant juggling a ball on the side of the road in Southern Oklahoma as possible. And, and, and so where am I going with all this? I, God's just the, the last little example I wanted to share was yesterday after the girls were at this event, I was really wrestling with just some questions and some things that were on my heart and mind and, 
I just needed to hear from God on some stuff. And it was really tempting for me to get frustrated. And, and I've, I've noticed there's always extremes. You can either not pray, or you can pray in a wrong way, or you can pray like a child with simple faith. And my first temptation was just to get angry about it. And then Angie's like, let's pray. And then I got irritated because she's, she's calm and graceful. And I'm like, I'm going to fight, you know. And <laughs> so I finally got to a place where I was like, okay, God, I need to hear you speak. I'm having, I'm, I'm grieved over this. And I need, I don't even know how to verbalize it. I need your help. Ten minutes later, I, I, I'm just quietly waiting. And the kids are out of the house all day. And God just leads me to a sermon online. And this man, it, it happened to be Bill Johnson this time. I don't listen to Bill Johnson all the time. But God was just speaking through him to me and just ministered me what I needed. And he was just showing me heartfelt prayers don't have to be pronounced or performance-based. They're not long. They don't, but just the simplest prayers are oftentimes the ones that get the most profound answers. And so... I say all that to bring it back to the hospital and this incredible week of supernatural stuff that's happening. It's Thursday morning. We were asked to be there at a certain time by a doctor who went out of her way to make sure we were not there at the wrong time. And she actually gave us the wrong time. And so when we showed up, we were two hours late. And they were, all, they were about to not admit our daughter for this procedure and again, this is in the middle of supernatural. It's like going to supernatural school. I mean, like there's stuff happening, miracles, angels, demons, words of knowledge, stuff that's just, it was crazy. And so we, we get there and we're, they said, you know what, we'll, we'll go ahead and, and just process you, process her and maybe we can get her into surgery. While they're doing all that, a mom is asking for help. She's frantic. This is before the age of the internet, I mean, really cell phones and you know, the people are like, oh, go look at the yellow pages. No one's offering to help her. All of a sudden, out of my mouth, I'm like, I'm good with directions. I can help. Well, what was wrong with her? The father of her child, they weren't married, was lost in downtown Houston trying to get to the Houston Medical Center, which is 15 minutes away, before he goes into surgery. And there's no confusion or lost people in heaven. There's no loss of directions. God is not a God of disorder. And so you can minister peace and heavenly blessing in situations like that. So all of a sudden, I'm like, I'm good with directions. I take the phone from her, and I start asking, like, just out of my mouth, what side of the car is the sun on? He's like, it's on the left-hand side. I said, what street are you on? He said, I'm on such and such street. I said, what street are you coming up to? Using those three pieces of information, I was able to figure out what direction he was going. Now, Lena's made jokes about not knowing, you know, directions based on the sun and all that, and, and some people... Cami included, are more adept at that. But I started thinking about that, and I was like, that is, it's funny, because we, we, especially growing up in the city with houses and everything, you don't see exactly where the sun is, but if you've ever spent time out in the farm or in, in rural areas where there's not a lot of buildings, you can see very clearly where the sun is coming up. And the key to knowing what direction is which is to know what your relationship is with the sun. Where is the sun? The sun always rises in the east, and sets in the west. So if you just know what time of day it is, oh, it's morning and the sun's over there, that's east. If it's in the afternoon and the sun's over there, that's west. 
wherever the sun is, if you just, if you just think about life as time is passing, as the sun, the earth is rotating and going around the sun, but it looks like the sun's rotating around us. If you just follow the sun, east is always behind you, west is in the head, north is to the right, south is to the left. Within 15 minutes, the dad was walking into the parking garage and was so blessed. And the mom was like, thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, we go in and, and we, Dylan, we're about to leave because she's really tired. All of a sudden, they come through the doors, they take her into surgery, and we're sitting in this waiting room. And while we're there, I'm reading When Heaven Invades Earth by Bill Johnson. And he said something. He said, if you want more of God's kingdom, put this book down right now, wherever you are, and minister to whoever's around you. Just step out and do it. I was like, I want more of God's kingdom. So I put the book down, and there was one lady sitting right in front of us. She was kind of disturbed. I asked her what was going on. Her nephew was in surgery. It was supposed to be an outpatient procedure, but he hadn't woken up. His oxygen levels weren't returning, and they were th afraid he's going to have to stay overnight. And she was distressed. I said, can I pray for you? We believe God does miracles. We prayed. As soon as we get through saying amen, the dad walks around the corner, and the son is woken up. I mean, the, the oxygen levels have returned, and they're just waiting for him to wake up. But it was the dad that I had called in over the phone. And by the time we were in surgery, their little boy had woken up, and they were leaving. It's an awesome story. But the cool thing about testimonies is testimony means do it again, Lord. And testimonies are prophetic, and they point to even more that God wants to do. So the next time that we were in there, in that same waiting room for another surgery a year later, my mom happened to be sitting with me, and I was able to share with her what God had done right there in that same place. And, and she said, I want to read that book. Well, Pastor Easy, after you brought me this book and I got blessed, the first thing I did was I called Lena. I said, I want 10 copies. I've got to sew this into other people's lives. And Lena said, now be careful. Not everybody's receptive, and you may be disappointed. And I said, I don't care. i got to sew it. The first person I sewed it to, I gave a book to, was my, we were at a different church for a while, and the pastor's there, his wife. I gave her the book. She didn't write down who given it to her. She forgot about it. And when my mom started reading the book, she was on staff. Well, they had this really cool staff meeting that happened because God, the Holy Spirit, was moving. But it was because God was speaking to people's hearts through the testimonies in this book. Long story short, through one set of events and circumstances, lives started getting changed and touched, and revival was breaking out, and people, I can't tell you how many people's lives were changed, an entire church was changed, was affected, people were discipled, and their minds were opened, just through simple prayers and simple acts of obedience. And my last scripture that I want to share with you is Genesis 1.14. It says, Then God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heavens, to divide the day from the night and let them be for signs and seasons and for days and years. And Cheryl, you probably know what that's referring to. That's not just talking about calendar. It's talking about specific celestial events. There's a clock in the heavens. that's God's clock. And it let the Jews know when to celebrate the feast of the Lord. And going back to all those other examples I gave you at the beginning, there's a lot of phenomena that we're not aware of in the stars, under a microscope. God is at work and he's doing things. There's a lot that we have no idea what's going on. There's a lot that he's called us to be aware of what's going on, but our journey is going to continuously be a journey of learning and learning and it being exposed to more.
And my point that I wanted to make was that our world doesn't know what time it is right now. We are like the people that grew up in the city that don't know how to tell what the time is. And we're often, our society is unaware. We've lost the fear of the Lord. We've, we've, we've lost a reverence for who he is. And we've, um, identity is under attack like never before in all, every single area of society. And it says in Romans that when you stop worshiping the creator, you've become a, a messed up creation. I'm paraphrasing totally when I say that. But what I wanted to encourage and leave you with today is to ask yourself, what is your relationship with the son? Just like that man needed to tell me where the son was in his life, do you know where the son is in your life? Not the son, the star son, but the son of God. The first thing that we all need is we need a relationship with him. He's the first step into putting everything into perspective. Without knowing who the son is and where he is in your life, you can't find your direction, you can't find your purpose, and you can't reach where you're intended to be. But once we know we establish that relationship with the Son, then we can begin to receive more and to build momentum and direction and purpose and enter into all kinds of joys and inheritances that he has for us this side of heaven. When the Lord said that to me about don't put your confidence in anything else. He taught us how to live each day in the hospital and in medical experience. When good news would come from a doctor or a nurse, it was real tempting to want to just put your confidence in that and lean into that. Ah, oh, it's going to be okay. And when bad news would come, it was real tempting to get freaked out by that. But he taught us, don't put your confidence in anything other than me. Lean not on your own understanding is what he was really saying. And so for all of us today, it's real tempting to get overwhelmed by what's going on out there and to feel like it's out of control and that he's not on the throne. And I just want to encourage you that you can pray heartfelt prayers and see God move in your life and you can share those heartfelt prayers with other people. Heartfelt prayers are usually really simple and they're really easy to share. And when you, and you can pray with people too. When we left that man's coffee shop, his name's Robin, we said, can we pray for you? He said, yeah. He said, you're the first Christian that's offered to pray for me. The only other person that's prayed for me is my Hindu landlord. And it was just, he was just so, he was really touched by that. When we enter into each day with expectation and asking God and looking for what God has to say to us and what he's doing, there's no limit to what he has for us. And so um, as you leave this place, always be thinking about where's the sun in your life and learn, practice asking other people, who, where's the sun of God in your life? Most people don't even know he's the son of God. Some people don't even know his name. And have a humility and a reverence that there's a lot going on that we don't know about. And we don't need to feel condemned about that, but we should be willing to be learning every single day. 
because of this man, I started listening. Oh, the one, the one thing I forgot to share was that uh, Robin is friends with Christopher Brand, who was Nelson Mandela's jailer. He was 18 years old when he was assigned to guard Nelson Mandela in jail. And Nelson and him actually became very good friends. And when Nelson got out of prison and he became president of South Africa, he actually put this man who was his jailer in his cabinet and gave him a position. And they had a very intimate relationship and, and friendship. And as I was in Ohio doing my job, sitting in a refinery, listening to this man's testimony, I had tears in my eyes. And, and I, was, I was so touched because one thing that Nelson said to this young man, he said, what are you studying? They weren't allowed to talk to each other. They had very finite times that they could speak to each other. And one thing that the jailer did was he actually brought in Nelson Mandela's grandchild for like 30 seconds. He snuck him in so that he could hold his grandchild. And Nelson's question to him when he finally got to build a relationship with him was, what are you studying? He said, I'm not studying anything. I'm out of school. And he said, you're a good man and you're smart. You need to be studying. In other words, you need to be renewing your mind and not just settling for where we are. And so I've just been so encouraged and blessed by these different experiences, seeing God answer simple prayers. And I felt like it was a very fitting tie-in today because today is, is, a, is, a, is a hallmark day in my life. And it wouldn't have happened if somebody hadn't taken a simple step and shared a book a simple sharing a book, sharing a testimony. If you hear a testimony or a sermon or um, you read something, you have no idea how you can change someone else's life by just simply sowing that into them. And you have no idea what God wants to do with you. Even the things that we are limited by are not limits to God. So have an extensive expectation and ask God to take what little you feel like you have and let him multiply it and do immeasurably more than you could ask or think. Because the clock is winding down. We are in the latter days. And that doesn't mean that the end of the world is tomorrow. That The earth is going to be here for a very long time. Um, but the Lord is returning. And it's important that we know where and who the sun is in our life. Because it's the first step to our destination and our destiny. So I'm going to close this in prayer. Father, we love you, and we thank you for the privilege of gathering and being in your presence. Thank you that we get to spend some time together each week just declaring and magnifying you for who you are. We are so looking forward to everything that you want to do in our lives. Forgive us for every opportunity and every moment that we may have mishandled or stewarded poorly in the past. But Lord, help us to move forward in faith and expectation from this day forward. And let us see the redemption plan that you have for every aspect of our lives, whether we're at the gas station or at church, at work, in a, a line, at a grocery store, whatever. You've got so much that you want and that you are able to do and that you're waiting for us to just participate and ask Help us to renew our minds. Help us to not limit or come into agreement with anything that the enemy is doing or saying, but to just live like little children who are looking forward to every day, asking, what, what's next, Lord? What do you have for us today? 
We want to help people know you. We want to help people understand and establish who the Son is in their life. And we want to help people say yes to Jesus for the first time and in new ways than maybe they've ever even thought of before. We love you and we ask you to bless everybody and give us a victorious week, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.